Hello. 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 I was enjoying that. Hello. I stopped. Anyway, oh. I was liking that. God darn it. Doom, How doom, is everybody? I'll sing it. Yeah. I'll sing it. I got the COVID. Woke up this morning. I got the news. Next thing I know, I got the COVID blues. I got the COVID blues. Boom, but Oh, anyway. Don't, don't mind me, none. Boom, pop, boom, pop. <laughs> one, five, one, five. <laughs> are you there? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I don't got the COVID yet that I know of. Oh, no, same here. <laughs> I, I got COVID. I got COVID. <laughs> hey, do you ever hear He's anybody so happy they got COVID? Pardon? Hmm? What? Hmm? What? 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 <laughs> hey, folks. Greetings. This is the Andy Demander Show. We got Andy here in uh, in in a makeshift studio in the USA in California, and we got Amanda Love in the UK. We've got Chet with us again on uh, on our show, who's in Hawaii. So we are literally spanning the globe, talking to people all over the world. Primarily, you know, the most most of our listeners in North America, but we do reach. Oh, I, you know, speaking of reaching all over the world, guess on our podcast distribution. Guess what country? Um, next to the United States is in popularity of our show. Are you ready? Kazakhstan. No, go for it. Russia. No way. I was close. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You were close. When you said that, wow. Sean, I'm like, how, do you, how, how would you possibly known that? What are those, what are those escalates? Um, the, um, yeah, Russia is number two on in podcast distribution. In other words, this is a live show. And, yes, you can join us by calling 515-605-9888, and you're welcome to get in on our conversation. But after we're all said and done, we're no longer live. Well, we're, we're not – we're not. we are live, but we're not live on, on the show. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but we'd be – One of us is in quarantine. I had, I had to – you know – Anyway, um, but this becomes a podcast, and we don't produce it as a podcast. We produce it as a radio show, and uh, but it is a podcast distributed by iHeartRadio and, and TuneIn Radio and Pandora and, and many, many others. Um, and those of you who are listening on a platform right now, whatever that is, we're obviously on that platform. Um, but we are produced Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, whatever that time is in your neck of the world. And we do have a phone number where you can get involved in the conversation and talk about whatever's on your mind, 515-605-9888. There's a couple of ways to get in touch with the show. You can email us at andyandamandashow at gmail.com. Also visit us on the Internet at our website, andyandamandashow.net or .com. They both work. And we have an Instamatic uh, uh, pod, Tic Tac, and Inst, whatever, whatever those other Facebooks and all of them, we got it all. But just look at Andy and Amanda's show. And uh, I think that about covers it, right? Does that cover it? Absolutely. I think it does. Except pretty snail much we're mail. Over the... <laughs> hmm? Snail mail. No hey, snail mail. Uh, snail mail, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, snail mail. Um, just send all your mail to Tic Tac in Hawaii. <laughs> just yeah, just mail a check for me. Chet just got hired as a Send all your money in Chet. Yeah, he's a treasure. Here we go. Here we go. Um, hey, folks, you know, we missed the show on Friday. I got COVID and I'm kind of up and down. You know, feeling like a cold, but it's, it's I'm, I'm fully vaxxed and boosted and um, somehow still got infected. Like, a lot of people get infected who 
are uh, vaxxed but show any symptoms and they get tested and they show, oh my gosh, I'm positive and they got a quarantine even though they're perfectly fine. In my case, um, I started getting a cough and then cold-like symptoms and did two uh, home-based uh, tests to cross-check each other, both dead positive and then went down to a university testing center and um, and confirmed that. And of course, they were all, then I've gotten emails and, and calls from Long Beach Health, not Long Beach, Orange, Orange County, California Health Department and all this stuff like you know, I think they want to put me in a capsule and stuff like that. Ask me to contact. I don't know. I would have to call Yeah, they want to know oh all the raves god. you've been at. Oh, absolutely. oh my god! And all the raves you haven't I, been at. <laughs> yeah, you know, my life has been so exciting. It's just been—it's amazing. Cause I really did um, all the right things, except I got to a couple of music gigs which is probably what I should have done. Mm-hmm. And going to the bar afterward probably should not have done that. But, um, oh. you know, and, and, and the funny thing is that a lot of people I was with didn't, all tested negative. Um, my wife and youngest daughter negative live in the house with me. My oldest daughter tested positive. I put her up in a hotel where she is right now. And um, Oh, wow. Flooded. Mm. Her apartment flooded. She woke up between, I don't know, after New Year's, I guess, and... Uh, there's over a foot of water in her, her when we had a monsoon here in California, uh may have read about it oh, a couple weeks ago, whatever, a pipe uh, burst or something. Anyway, her apartment totally flooded and uh, went over there once and it smelled like mildew and stuff and she was drying her carpets and all this and they came and vacked all the water out, but then they told her, Look, we gotta we gotta re drywall and, and professionally, you know, redo we mold or check for mold and mildew rather you drywall and drive the place out, and you got to leave. And we'll get here. So uh, she hasn't gotten a check yet. But so then she went out. She said, "You know, I'm feeling kind of cold. You know, I'm just kind of foggy. I'm feeling kind of, you know." She's talking to me in the car, and I'm like, uh, "Okay, let's see what happens. Don't do anything yet. You know, you're probably, you know, probably okay. Well, let's see what happens." And so um, she came by the house last night finally to do a home test, which we have several of, and she tested positive waiting for her PCR results, which take forever here. So yeah. that's our COVID adventure. That's our COVID wow. adventure. It's really... Um, it is crazy, isn't it? It's nuts so. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and I think I was talking last show or whatever, when I, uh, it just, to me, when I think about it, the virus that it might, you know, I'm going to go test, hopefully out of isolation tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. Um, but the virus that is in me or that was in me, um, killed 800,000 people in this country, millions around the world. It's just, it's, it's just unbelievable to me. You know, man, oh man, it's crazy. Well, I we know. talked about it so much on our show. Have you about heard about so the much. latest one? Supposedly now there's another new one called Deltacron. No. Yeah. Deltacron? Deltacron. That's, that's sponsored by is... Delta Airlines. Yeah, right. Delta Airlines <laughs> the presents... The reason they named it that is because it's mo- meant to be a mixture of the Delta variant and this newer one, the Omicron. Ooh, that's scary. Stay. Yeah. That's it's scary. A, that is, but let's that face is it, outright. It's going to keep evolving, isn't it? That would it? be the, the, the deadliness of Delta with the spreadability of Omicron. That is the way it can go. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is... I one hopes it goes the way of the flu. Because uh, the flu not only killed a bunch of people in around 1918 to 21, but it also killed a bunch of people around 1890. That was the first flu outbreak. 
It was the largest pandemic in history. And, wow. But then the flu mutated and attenuated to where it's a, a constant nag. Before COVID, it was around 60,000 people dying a year of the flu, but mostly very compromised folk like me. Uh, and uh, and COVID yeah, you, you could cannot go risk in direction. It's no. a, it's a it's an anti-evolutionary practice to be a, a virus that kills all your hosts because then you got nobody to live in no more, and they can only propagate within within uh, their their hosts. Viruses cannot make new viruses without a host. Therefore, we must be just the, very generous creatures, mustn't we? We host so many things. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Tens of thousands of little biomes. Yeah, we're we're riddled with uh, biological and viral agents. Uh, And when you think about it, we all peacefully coexist most of the time. But you know something? uh, That is how we actually came to... Do you know there was a time, and I'm going back about between 2.8 and 3.7... No, no, yeah, no, about 2.8 to 3 million. something million, <laughs> million, yeah, million years ago. There was actually two com- very similar but different species of humanoids, of what became humanoids. There was actually humanoid. two human, another uh, uh, Australopithecus afarabus. I think that's who we are now, I believe, if I'm mistaken, that's what we eventually became. Um, and oh, look, out on a form one day. Who are you? Name? Address. Yeah, yeah, know. exactly. So well, can you imagine? Cause now we have, you know, we have like race and you know, ethnicity and race, skin color, all this stuff. And can you imagine? Can you imagine if that other species, which was human-like, very similar to our own at the time, had actually evolved and developed? But the reason why they didn't is because something exterminated them, and and we actually evolved and processed over millions and millions and millions. It's hard to grasp to grab millions of years. It's hard to even grip that the Earth's 4.8 billion years old, and we've only been here for a couple hundred thousand years in our present form, you know, and that's like yeah. that's like nothing. That's that's not even on the, you know, that's so small that it doesn't even show up on the graph we our existence on this planet. You know, it's, it's just yeah. so tiny, you know, but uh, what do you think about what Chet was just saying, um, is the mutation of viruses and things that that become get, that in you know integrate within our bodies and has the potential to change us or exterminate us? Yeah, is really, species evolved on this planet over over the past millions of millions and millions of millions of years. And you think about it, dinosaurs. As we, I remember talking about this one time on the show. Dinosaurs existed for what sixty, seventy million years. One sixty-five million years. One sixty-five. Yeah, okay. I one sixty-five, okay, one sixty, but seventy million years ago, right? I guess that's what it was. Um, so one hundred sixty-five million years. Think about how long that is. You know, uh, and, and um, here we are. It might take me that long to think about it. Is that okay? Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. I'm just sitting. I drink my drink my my vodka, whatever. I just sit up back in the sunshine and just look out to space and you know up at the sky, and I think about that sky. And the green and everything was seen by so many different types of species over millions and millions and millions and millions of years. And here we are. To me, it just 
amazing. Anyway, go on forever. It is. But no, hey, but it is. I love having those moments, dwelling on something. You know, well, not, not dwelling, wrong word, yeah. but you know, pondering and mm-hmm. spending time thinking about something like that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. way of thinking it uh, of it is the dinosaurs lasted eighty-two thousand five. 82,500,000 U.S. election cycles. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, one of them still survived to become a president of the United States. Which one? Ding, 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 ding. Hey, speaking of which, guys, we missed a show where I wanted Literal. to talk a lot about, not a lot. I, I wanted to address the, um, the insurrection, which was a year ago, um, January missed. You show ah, so it's like a resurrection. <laughs> yeah, resurrection. And, the resurrection, um, of the resurrection of the insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it was a, um, it was a year ago on, uh, on January sixth. You know, when you and um, anybody your comments about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It was a crazy time <laughs> <No>. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, un- unbelievable. It um, was the best of those, times. It was the worst of times. It was, it, yes. It, <laughs> sounds like a song. Got to be a song. Dickens already said it. Yeah, we did. All right. Never mind. Um, the opening to Tale of Two Cities. Oh. Oh, is that right? God, Chet, you, you know, you're that is correct. These things. He's a very knowledgeable man, aren't you, Chet? <laughs> That's a good book. That's amazing. Um, what um, what is up in the UK, Amanda? What's going on over there? Oh, really? Um, <laughs> well, <Uh-oh>. you know, <laughs> nah, no, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, it's all been about this COVID as usual. I mean, there's a lot going on in the news with different things about, you know, reports of different, um, like, celebrities and usual, talking about Russia and... Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, a millionaire, um, who was a murderer who ended up was given a life sentence later on in his years, and then as soon as he found out he was given a life sentence, he was put on a ventilator, and shortly after that, he died. Bless him. But he was like a, a real estate mm. heir. Uh, Robert Durst, I think that was his name. Um, they were talking about that. That's mm. um from U.S. and Canada news. Uh, but yeah, mainly we've been talking about all about COVID because everybody's been panicking. You know, like Boris said, oh, we're on another three-week period of Plan B, which we're on, uh, where people still have to work at home. And um, if they can, obviously, if they can. And um, mm. he made changes, which I talked to you about. You remember I said to you that if you take a lateral flow test, you don't have to have a PCR test if it shows up as positive. I think they Ooh. were trying their best to, you know, cut down on the amount of people mm-hmm. just showing up for PCR tests because they did stay. They stay? Yeah, they stayed. <laughs> they stated that only have a PCR test if you're actually showing symptoms. And I think people were just showing up out of caution. And so, you know, there was a lot more bookings and, of course, a lot more funds being used for all these PCR tests. And so the fact that they said that is all to do with the money. It really is. The government and I are like, okay, well, we're running out of money. So, hey, if you test positive on a a lateral flow test, don't show up for a PCR test. You know, just quarantine and Mm -hmm. and do your bit. And, um, 
You know, they, they were talking about the, the pre-departure travel test as well. Blew my oh mind. My because if you're, if you're going to be flying abroad, surely you want to have a COVID test to show, hey, I haven't got COVID. Mm. And um, there's going to be countries that recommend it anyway. I mean, the US, as far as I'm aware, they don't allow you to <laughs> arrive there unless you've had a, a PCR test, I yeah. think it is. Um, so yeah. even if this country is saying you don't need one, you still need one to go to other countries. Yeah. They are, do you know that the rate of so COVID just, is it's higher than it's ever been? But uh, hospital deaths are down, hospitalizations are up, deaths are down, and the rate of infection is way, way up. It's off the charts. And I guess people right. like myself, you know, you, you, yeah. you could, because you know, and, and the and the severe hospitalizations are in fact uh, unvaccinated people, and the, and the deaths are unvaccinated. That's that's statistically a fact. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm fat. I'm, I I am vaxxed and boosted. And I got COVID along with symptoms of COVID. You know, not not horrible. I, I you know, I have had worse colds. You know, we talked about that. It's, it's I'm hanging in there. You know, I, sometimes I feel more fatigued. Like you know, I was, had nothing better to do last night, so I started cleaning out some desk drawers and stuff. And I just ran flat out of energy, and I felt yeah. like I was had a little fever. You know, when you get, you're sick, you feel like you have a fever coming on. Like I started getting hot. I felt the feverish. I felt fatigued. Yeah. I'm looking at these piles of crap I made from my drawers. I'm like, I can't do it. I gotta, yeah. I gotta lay down. I can't do it. Yeah. And well, I'm glad like, you listened to your body, and you did that. Yeah, yeah. And it made me think because I want to go to hopefully get tested negative tomorrow. And I started thinking last night. I started getting down because I'm thinking, fuck. You know, I got no energy. I can't even fucking clean out a. She's a French folks. I can't even clean out a a, a desk drawer, and I'm going to go down and get tested negative on Tuesday. I mean, really? You know, how long is this thing going to last? Mm-hmm. I don't know crazy um i found the clip i was going to play um and uh not that I anyway uh what i wanted to do real quick uh Chad, i was talking to you about this earlier is um cnn uh did a one-year um kind of interviews at a you know how trump gives these little rallies here and there and uh, a cnn reporter who was actually at the insurrection on january 6th came back a year later to randomly interview some attendees at a Trump rally, their remarks were appalling and embarrassing as an American. And I want you to take a listen to this. Here we go. Thanks to CNN for this. Nearly one year after the violent and well-documented attack on the U.S. Capitol, some people are still deflecting blame from Donald Trump and his supporters. And instead, they're embracing conspiracy theories. They are pointing fingers at Democrats and the FBI. CNN's Doni O'Sullivan is joining us now from Washington. Uh, Doni, it's, it's you know pretty astounding what people believe. Yeah, Brianna, ever since the Capitol attack, there has been an effort, a campaign to uh, alter, to warp Americans' understandings of what really happened here in Washington on that day. And in many ways, that disinformation campaign is working. Take a look. January 6th attack was not the Republicans nor Trump. It was the Democrats were behind it all. They're the ones that caused it all. Do you really believe that? I know it. And there is no way that a Republican would act that way. And there is no way that Trump had anything to do with what happened on January 6th. What about all the Trump supporters that have been charged and indicted? (laughs) Because it's all Democratic judges and people that were on the take from the Democrats. 
It's been a year since the attack on the U.S. Capitol. And because of disinformation, denial and diversion, Americans don't have a shared history, a shared understanding of what happened here on that day. I think the whole reporting of it is a giant hoax. We are very peaceful people. So it was a total setup. To me, it was the FBI had set it up. I don't believe that they were Trump supporters that did that. You said the whole thing was set up. You don't really believe that, do you? I do. I do. Because Trump won the election. They, 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 they've proven it over and over again. I really don't think Trump had much to do with it. And people that were supporters for him, some were involved, but I think they were enticed by the FBI and by, by you know, undercover agents. When I spoke to Trump supporters here in Washington on January 6th, most were in denial about the results of the 2020 election. Do you accept that Biden won the election? Absolutely not. Uh, Biden did not win this election. On January 6th, we walked with Trump supporters who marched from the White House, where Trump was doing his speech, here to the U.S. Capitol. And as we arrived here, that is when the first security barrier was breached. At the time, some Trump supporters told me they were happy with what happened here at the Capitol. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. I think we should have gone on in and yanked the, our senators out by the hair of the head and drug them out and said, no more. <laughs> I'm absolutely uh, stand behind 100% what happened here today. 1,000%. It's terrible how this election was stolen. Federal prosecutors have charged more than 700 people in connection with the Capitol riots and repeatedly documented the rioters' support for President Trump. But some people in right-wing media have pushed the dangerous idea that it was all an FBI plot. FBI operatives were organizing the attack on the Capitol. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that this was some kind of false flag event staged by the Democrats or the FBI. What would you say to people who say January 6th was the biggest attack on American democracy since the Absolute Civil War. Absolute rubbish. But amid all the denial and deflection, I met one Trump supporter who said it was important to be real about what happened on that day. What do you think of the Trump supporters that stormed the Capitol? Oh, God. You talk about mis misfound feelings. Um, seeing the folks from my side of the state that were there... And they're not the part of the campaign that we would like to have. Do you think some Trump supporters that say it's Antifa, it's Black Lives Matter, that they know that that's bullshit, but they just don't want to admit it's easier to blame someone else? Everyone is afraid to, you know, take the blame. It's that simple. And, you know, I think this failure to learn from or even acknowledge what happened uh, on January 6th along with what we're seeing now, this sort of campaign to get election deniers to be, make them election officials, it really doesn't bode well for the upcoming midterms and for, for future elections in this country, Brianna. No, it certainly doesn't. It's an alternative reality that we see you uh, unveiling there. Thank you so much, Tony. And there we have it. Wow. That was kind of funny. Yeah. CNN yeah. calling some other people's understanding an alternative reality. 
these these remarks were were remarks that I've seen. I think we've even played them through the year. Different audio clips that we've had um, that we put on our show, and interviews we've had with people who've called in. Um, but and then I, again, recently on TikTok, I told you I went into that. Uh, that the live, somebody's doing a live uh, from somewhere in the south. Not that that is indicative of the type of, of population that's in the south, but I think that's a large pocket of, of these like-minded folks in the Midwest as well. Um, but it's, it was, it's absolutely appalling that, you know, let, let me, here, here's, this is interesting. You, you know, somebody has an a, a inert, innate intelligence. You know, let's say, let's say, Somebody, two people, not identical. Their DNA, every just like you know, just for purpose of illustration, they're incredibly bright people, incredibly, incredibly intelligent, bright people at birth. One goes through school, goes through college, goes to Harvard Law, or becomes some whatever. You know, you, you get the idea. Goes through an amazing, impeccable, you know, pedigree of, of educational institutions and mm. does very, very well. The yeah. next person becomes a welder, right? But they're genetically identical, right? So, so, so the welder could have actually done the same thing. So, so you can't say that that education. If somebody's well educated, that means there's a certain level of intelligence. Because some people who might have the aptitude to do amazingly well in in the uh, intellectual and in, let's say the academic uh, arena, uh, as as researchers, as, as critical thinkers, as professors, as physicians, you know, uh, astute lawyers, um, they they I'm, I want to be carpenter. And probably make more money. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to all those places. But that doesn't mean that does, that doesn't mean they're not intelligent, right? It doesn't at all. It's nothing to do with that. Because some folks say universities universities are the issue. Universities mm. are, are what's turning uh, the, the pop. You know, universities are what uh, yeah. um, you know uh, gender identity, uh, BLM. You know, the thinking. Uh, the, uh, Christopher Columbus came over and started started slavery. Uh, that that where's all that? Where's, that's all universities. Shut them down. What's going? Whoa, right? So, so what? What education does is it enables and promotes and provides an impetus for critical thinking. Does critical thinking eventually lead to a behavioral change? Well, in fact, it can. Doesn't have to. It can. It can make somebody sit, scratch their head, ponder, look yeah. at facts, read, read philosophers, read, read great writings by many amazingly well thought out. Philosophers, you know, going back to Plato and Aristocrates, you know, so many, um, and and people who question, they question, they look at the situation, they say, how, why, really? Let's go deep into that. You know, that's what education promotes. It doesn't has anything to do with intelligence, right? So, so what what so what, what I wonder is when when I started asking some people, when I started asking, and I did do this on on TikTok, and I didn't mean to belittle anybody, and I was very clear about that. I said, look, I'm not I'm not doing this to prove that you're some stupid asshole, although you sort of sound like one. Excuse me, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm curious. What, what what is the highest level of of academic education, which is far different than street education, academic education that that you received? High school, seventh grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, and there's how, you know, and and we 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 go into this discussion about, and it was a good discussion. It wasn't wasn't hateful. It wasn't you know, belittling. It wasn't oh you your democracy was was very very constructive uh, conversation, texting back and forth. Um, 
that just what I said that that education does not breed intelligence. It can it can take what you have and further develop it, manifesting your outlook on life and, and and who you are and how you how effective you are in your life can be can be maneuvered and and enhanced by a good education. But it has nothing to do with how intelligent you might be, you know. Um, so, yeah. but 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 what education does is it promotes critical thinking, and and I think that is why we must do whatever we can to get this this country and people educated. You know, there was a time I remember talking about this when the uh, 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 the better nuts Walmart. What do they call uh, build build better build back build back better build build back better. Um, part of the Biden agenda was to have your community college tuition, which is a two-year school, paid for by the government. You know, there, right. there was a bar at one time many, many years ago, I guess not that long ago, putting everything in perspective as we did it all year in the show. There was a, a, a bar placed by the government that said a high school education. You, you, we got to have, you got to, you know, there's got to be some kind of minimum level of education that we need to instill amongst the population of Americans. And we will create the public school system. You graduate high school, if you go to college, great. Whatever you want to do, wherever you go, how, however you want to proceed after that, great. We're going to provide a public education. Of course, private schools respond and so forth. And then somehow, this is kind of interesting. I remember we, we, we went into this a while back, a long, long time ago. Somehow, the bar became, to get a job, you need to have college. Huh. And here I am, now I'm the government, right? And I'm saying, yeah, you do. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> We're going to give you the money to go to college if you don't have it. But it's a loan, and you've got to pay yes. it back. If yes. you have troubles in your life, and you have to go bankrupt, or you have issues, or something happens, or somebody for, unfortunately you, you come across a very horrible situation in your life where you find yourself with no money, you, and you declare bankruptcy, which, of course, is, is, is great that we have that in place where you can whew, at least get unloaded all that you know, go ahead and live. You know, you, it, that, that is a mechanism we have, a legal me- mechanism to get out of debt. We, good thing. However, it doesn't apply to your college, to Uncle Sam. Your debt to Uncle Sam doesn't go away. You've got to pay the college debt no matter what. So what it would yeah. isn't this like the mafia? <laughs> You've got to pay us no matter what, dude. <laughs> we gave <laughs> well, you, you know, $150,000. We gave, you got to pay us. We don't care what your problems are in life. <laughs> Yeah, it's criminal. Now, it really feels criminal. It, it is. And you can look to but, but, you can look to mm-hmm. you can look to California for the model. Yes, you can. Oh, can, the, can we talk? <laughs> Pat Brown. Yes. Back in the 1950s, uh-huh. uh, and actually, it was fairly general. College was either affordable. Uh, or in the case of California, it became almost free. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the neoliberals got involved, and instead of taxing people to pay for college, they cut taxes and raised tuitions, and that started mm-hmm. in in uh, in. Uh, and I had a personal example. I went to a Mm-hmm. junior college for some music courses because it was a music magnet mm-hmm. junior college, really outstanding courses. Mm-hmm. I got like t- uh, 
one course I took sound reinforcement was taught by the head of the department who also gave the same course for $3,600 a semester in the city. And I got it for $11 a unit. Wow. And then Mm. I I went to take courses at one year, in one year, it was $11 a unit. And then I went back to take a couple more two years later and it was already $22 a unit. Wow. Because the money being grabbed for yep. tax cuts. It was, was a pretty time where college, edu- where college, if you are a resident of California, state schools were free. That happened for a while, then they started upping that. Mm-hmm. And today, if you live in California, um, tuitions are for state universities, um, you know, UCLA, Cal State, blah, 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 um, are 20, much 20, more reasonable wow. than the private schools. Yeah, well, you know, USC is 50... It's still still obscene, though. I I saw it in Arizona. Uh, It's $20,000 a year in state. God, crazy. But it's still sad, though. I think if I... Sorry. (laughs) How does it work in the UK, man? Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's pretty much the same, darling, but the the thing is, what, what pops to my mind is that if somebody isn't educated, they get looked, you know, and made to feel mm-hmm. like they're nothing. Like, oh, well, they're not very well educated. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, we all strive to be educated because we know that if we're not educated, we're not going to get the same kind of things offered to us, the same opportunities. Uh, people will, you know, treat you differently. And yet you have to, you're, you're, you're forced into this, this corner if you can't afford to get an education so you have to pay for it and then if you can't pay for it like you said you've got all these major issues and stresses for the rest of your life a lot of these students are paying off debt for years and years and years after they've left college and then they got the pressure of trying Mm. to find a job that doesn't always happen for them even if they do have the qualification and that's criminal too. So uh-huh. then they got to stress by getting a decent yeah. enough job. That's not what they uh, attended to do. It's not in the field uh-huh. that they were aiming for. And then they got to worry about paying uh-huh. it off and living. And it's just that's, criminal. That's a very much an irony that so yeah. many people get a degree <laughs> and they end up not doing anything compared to it. Yeah, it's you like, know. Uh, would you, would you just like to amend my bit? numbers here? Yeah. I just looked up the University of Arizona. The total cost mm-hmm. estimated total per year for an Arizona resident is 31,000 for a non-resident it's around 55,000 and that's why yeah, we, the University uh, of Arizona yeah. is filled with foreign students because they they'd they rather have more. them paying 55 grand than to have yeah. Arizona residents at 31 and your thing on education breeds critical thinking you were saying Andy what immediately uh-huh. what immediately came to my mind, sorry about this, but uh, uh-huh. critical thinking can lead to quite bizarre places if there if it's based on fallacious assumptions, for instance, true. very true. The lawyers who come popping out and join the and are, are members of the Federalist Society, which is yeah. six of the nine that are on the Supreme Court. 
They've got an oh average of 18 years of that education, but their you're, critical you're thinking skills right. have all been channeled into doo-doo. Yep, yep, yep. So, so again, though, again, though, they weren't born with that. That is how their education, how their environment, how their teaching, oh, yeah, how the their writing is nurtured in their nature. And yeah. that, right, exactly. And that's yeah. how they, uh, sure, 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 that's a given, of course, of course. Um, but, you, you know, the, the, you know, that, that, that first Trump yeah. supporter was correct, though. Uh, when, I, I guess it was a her. She said Democrats are behind it all. Uh, that's yeah, I, I don't believe Biden that. won the election, yeah. so that was the cause. <laughs> Biden won. You know, interesting so the Democrats thing is were that behind Biden, it all. I, I I don't agree with you there. I, I just don't. But anyway, here's here's what I here's what what I'm saying. Getting back to my point earlier, that. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I guess from that standpoint, yes, you're, yeah, I, you're, you I, I stand corrected. You're abs- you, I do get it. I do get it. Yeah, yeah. You're right from that standpoint. But you're right. You're absolutely right. I stand corrected. Yeah. I, I, didn't look deep, I didn't think critically. I didn't think critically. Um, here's the um, – so, yes, thank you for that. But um, the uh, – what was this? Oh, yeah. So, so the bar, the, the bar um, that you need to go to college, just you know, going back a, a little while on our show here, the bar to go to, to college – is now is what you need to to succeed in in life, just like it was in high school, whenever that was. Um, the government paid for high school. I think that if the government is going to say, well, if society is going to say we're not hiring you unless you have a college, just not what your degrees in, right? I, I want to comment about that in a second. How that applied to me? Um, doesn't matter what your degrees in. Um, we um, we can hire you unless you have one. Um, okay, then, the, then I think, well, before it was, doesn't matter, if you don't have a high school education, then we're not going to hire you. Now it's if you don't have college, we're not going to hire you. Um, then I think the government has responsibility to say, okay, we paid for high school, we're going to pay for at least a couple, at least get your associate's degree, get you underway. And I, I think, yes, you know what? Let's, 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 let's keep it, let's keep it on you know, even playing field. There was a period of time when they said, you need a high school to get a job, government paid for high school. Now you need college to get a job, government should pay for at least two years of high school. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I, and, and I would pay personally. And I'm, I'm, I am not a, a, a guy of high net worth. Um, I would pay more taxes to make that happen. I would. I would, eat, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat. If, if I could feed somebody, if I could educate somebody, help somebody get out of a, of, a, of a poor living situation into a better, if I had to pay $100, $200, $500 more a year in tax, I would do it. I would volunteer my check. Here you go. I'll sign it today. I would do that. And, yeah. and, and I'm not, I'm not rich. You know, I, I, that's just who I, that's just my feeling personally. That's just from Andy. Um, I would do that. But again, um, going back and, into history mm-hmm. yeah. to sort of the systemic reasons, uh, you mm-hmm. got to go back to the new deal when, when we were all in this together, pretty much mm-hmm. you know, as long mm-hmm. as you were white and, uh, mm-hmm. And that spirit is actually what I, I'm old enough to remember that that's how the country kind of felt. Most of the people yeah. in the country felt we were all in the same yeah. boat. And education was considered, especially once World War II ended and our parents came back from the war. And they said, I want my kids educated as far as they want to go. And education was considered a public good. And even college was heavily subsidized. The college I went to, the first college I went to, I went to many. The first one I went to cost the equivalent of $3,000 a year. 
and now I'm looking at University mm. of Arizona's $31,000 a year. That's 10 times as much because education was morphed in this country from a public good to a rare commodity. So, yeah. like, you know, yeah. the number of seats in colleges mm-hmm. has not kept pace with the population. Therefore, it's a rarer commodity. And so only those who can pay the freight can afford to go. And, of course, the only way that poor people can afford to go is to get into debt for 100, 200 grand. Yeah. Thank you, Joe Biden. He was he was the guy that passed that bill. <laughs> Help pass that bill. You know, I I went to an aeronautical university. I, I all I could from probably ages thirteen on, all I could think, dream, and talk about was Ooh, airplanes and ailerons. You oh know? wow! And um and I started I started flying when I was sixteen years old. I was playing with a rock and roll band. I was in my first band when I was eleven. You know, so I was playing music, and I started. I couldn't wait till I turned sixteen because you need to be sixteen to be a student pilot. And, and my parents bought me my first flying lesson with an instructor, an hour of what they call dual. Dual is when you go with the instructor, solo is when you're obviously solo. So an hour of dual at that time was $29 an hour. This is 19, early 70, something, whatever. And uh, I'll never forget because all I, all I could talk about for years, I think they got tired of me at the dinner table, was flying. And I, I used to go to the Kitty C toy store and buy model airliners and and. Make, and, and you know, build a, a United 747 and a National DC-10 and an Eastern 727. And I, I built all these Aurora plastic models. Remember the Aurora models, Chet? And, um, yeah. So that's what I did, you know. And um, so flying was, that was it. You know, I would just, you know, you know, watch the weather channel or the weather on the, the news, and there was a channel on PBS that talked about the aviation something rather that I couldn't wait for every week. So finally, wow. I'm 16 years old, and my parents drive me. My parents drove me to my first flying lesson at North Philadelphia Airport, and I got this paper Cherokee 140. And the instructor, who became a good buddy, <laughs> known him for years afterward, named Ted Gerhardt, great guy, um, to this day. And um, he took me up on my very first flying lesson. The plane's kind of bumping around there. We're flying around there. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> uh, it was a little freaky. <laughs> Come on, bump. What was, what was that? <laughs> that would be me. That would definitely be me. I, I, I was never so glad to get down in my life. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but anyway, a, a long story short, I went on to get obviously my, my private, my commercial, my flight instructor, and I was teaching people how to fly at that same airport down the road. But here's the deal. So then I became a professional pilot, went to Aeroflot University. And at the time when I was out there looking for a job, and I had, you know, building up time as a flight instructor, I have over 1,200 hours in the year teaching people how to fly airplanes. Mm. That's what I did. I went to work and did that every day. And then I taught ground school seminars weekends. I taught eight hours on Saturday and eight hours on Sunday for uh, to prepare students to take an FAA written in one weekend. Bam, you know, you, you come spend a weekend with me. I'll teach you the whole thing. The FAA comes into the exam room on Sunday, gives you the test right there, and you're done in your ground school. You're done in your written. Now focus on your flying. And I did that. I started a business called Aviation Ground Schools all over the country. And um, then I was out there trying to find a job, and the airlines had – Pilots on furlough like crazy because the economy was so bad. And later on, Reagan fired the controllers, and we all know all that stuff. Um, and they're always trying to find a job. 
and and I did have an education, you know. But there were I, uh, talking to other pilots. So what'd you get your degree in? Oh, sociology. What'd you get your degree in? History. Uh, what'd you get your degree in? Uh, psychology. Uh, you're flying, right? Now let me ask you a question. Would you rather have in the flight deck a well-trained, competent, you know, very you know, professional pilot at the controls of the airplane should something happen, or somebody who has a degree in history, their flying skills, meh, meh, they're right. They passed everything. They did good. They did all right. Who would rather have yeah, the controls I, of the airplane? I think I'll go you know for the I mean? first one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, so here's the deal. So I'm trying to get a job, and I, I made my way to an aviation career, blah, blah, blah. So, but now, right, and there was, what was I back then, 22, I got my first airline job at 23. So, um, and there are people knocking on doors, and nobody can get jobs, nobody can get jobs. Some, you know, obviously people do, but, you know, there weren't, they're very far and few between. The economy was so up and down then, it was so hard to get a job with a major carrier. Um, and now, they're, at, so I said before, an hour of duel is $29. Now an hour with an instructor is about $100. It cost $1,200 for me to get my private license when I was 16. Now it's $18,000 to get a private pilot license. Right? When so I, what does that mean? When I tried the There's first no time, it was in, mm-hmm. it was in Florida, mm-hmm. 1966, Piper Cub. Mm. I was 21. The whole license would have cost me four to $600. Oh I tried God. again in 1977 when I was 33 in Hayward, Hayward mm-hmm. Airport, and I ended a mm-hmm. drought. Every time I went to take a lesson, it was raining. Then finally in 79, at the age of 35, I got my private pilot's license. It cost me $3,600. Mm. That was when uh, Duel was uh, around 30, 35, I guess. And, uh, 35. Okay, I, could rent the airplane. I could rent the airplane wet for 20 yeah, same here. Yeah, I, I used to wow. rent a Piper Warrior for, for $21 dual. A, Piper, a Cherokee 140 was 19 yeah. A Cherokee Arrow. That's the 152. Uh, any gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A spin you can, you can special. Rent an Boy, they gun. sure do pop into a spin. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, luckily, you I was out in 77. I was out practicing, and I, uh, it was a marginal VFR. And so I took a, a licensed guy with me. And I went out to the practice mm-hmm. area, and I was doing a takeoff, you know, full power stall, and popped mm-hmm. into a spin. Mm-hmm. And luckily, the Ooh. guy knew what to do. I did. I didn't. And so, what kind of airplane? We. I tried it two more. It was a 150. 150. Assessment. And okay. uh, in yeah. fact, my yeah. instructor had to prop it one day because the battery was flat. Uh, <laughs> oh, Gray Cell Ferguson, oh, El Cheapo Airlines, and uh, Pilot School. Uh, <laughs> and then I did it a couple of times, which was, I, I just couldn't do a takeoff and departure stall without going into a spin wow. for a little while. <laughs> that would definitely be But me. I learned. <laughs> I got into a newer 152, and, that, and then it was okay. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, my, all, all my flight instructing. Warriors are so docile. Oh man, that yeah, would have been a I, lot I flew, easier. Yeah, yeah, I flew in, in Pipers. I did all my instructing in Pipers, except a few check rides as I did in Cessnas. But it's very, very difficult to get a Cherokee, a low wing airplane, um, a Cherokee to to yeah. spin. They will any airplane, spin, of course. Yeah. But it's you really got to work mm-hmm. at it. They, they, don't, they don't want to. If you just let yeah, go of the controls, it'll pop I right out. I finally checked of it. out yeah. in I checked out in '99 in a Warrior, and I was going to try to get my license going again and then I went to do the medical and 
had to admit that yes, I've been. I just got sober six months ago, and they said, "Well, we're not. Gonna, we're gonna. You know, if you admit yes. you have a pro- had a problem, then we're not gonna give let you pass." I, I remember but my upgrade from as long as you don't admit you're straight. a drunk, you can pass. You're okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wow! So I, I couldn't, I couldn't get my license going again, and then I lost my job anyway. So I didn't have any money. You, you know oh, the thing is now crappy. there is such, there is such a void for pilots that if you are in your fifties, let's say you're fifty-two and you've never flown, you go take a, you know, it's going to be expensive, but you go to oh, a a specialty school and get your private commercial instrument multi-engine. They will guarantee you an interview with a regional carrier, the Delta Connection, the American Eagle, the you know the the, the fly the uh, the fly the the, um, the Challenger jets, the, the regional jets. They will guarantee you an interview, and you probably get a job, even even if you're 50 years old. They might tell you you'll never be a captain, or they might say you'll be a captain for a year. Um, that was somebody who got a gig at 54, I think he was, with uh, JetBlue. I know somebody else who was in his 30s, never flew before, had a different career, never flew, but was an avid Microsoft flight simulator. He came home from work every day and got on his computer and did flight simulator. It's a friend of mine. So so his wife, for a birthday, bought him a certificate for a free intro flying lesson. And he was, I think he was 38 at the time, 38 years old, already established another career, right? Wow. The intro flight, and then got addicted, got his commercial, his multi-engine, he's now the first officer with JetBlue. He's 50-some years old. Didn't start flying until his 30s. I don't know what the airlines are hey, going to do. I've got that. over 200 hours, but I'm 78. Yeah. Will yeah. they hire me? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> no, I looked into it. You know something? If uh, At 60, you can probably get a gig with the regional as a first officer. You, you might you might not ever be captain, or if you do, it'll be for a short period of time. But you can get a gig starting pay sixty some thousand bucks a year for about twelve days a month work. Oh, that much! Wow. Uh huh. Uh huh. I was thinking they were still paying like eighteen grand. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's a question for go you ahead. both. Okay, as you're both uh, pilots, or in a sense, uh-huh. uh, so. Can anybody like buy an experience where they get like aviator training, like the whole uh, simulator experience that yeah. you know of? They can. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness, uh-huh. that is uh-huh. so freaking cool. Yeah. Here, here's you. a cool one. Here's a What's cool that? one. It is. For only, let me see. Oh, let me try to see if I can get the price for. Only, uh, oh gosh, they don't have the price here. But I, I think it's a few thousand dollars. But for a few thousand dollars, that uh, you can take a flight in a MiG twenty nine. Really? Yeah, now, now here's the deal. Wow. A a um, <laughs> here's a, a full motion jet airline simulator that you might have at a school like um, like Flight Safety International. Um, would they actually do full motion simulators? You can, if if you, let's say I'm, a, I get hired by an airline. Uh, my entire, my, my ground school training is about uh, two to four weeks, depending, and my flight training, I never actually have flight training. I never have flight training, plane training in a full motion simulator, and I do my check ride in the simulator, my first flight in the actual airplane mm-hmm. as a first officer in the actual airplane, never having wow. flown one in the air. And of course, it's a training captain with you. And usually, the, there's a captain and also a training instructor sitting in jump seat, you know, walking through the procedures, you know, to get you, you know, 
up to here's here's the here's our company ops. Here's how we do this. Um, but uh, you are so well trained. Um, and the, the simulators are incredible. I mean, they duplicate the real airplane to the T. Amazing to the point where you can get your check riding, your type rating in a plane we've actually never flown in the sky. That's how accurate. I they almost are. had. I almost had a chance once to fly a C5A simulator at Dulles. The, that would have been the flight club. We flew and we landed at Dulles, which is like a two-mile-long runway. I always I was coming in for final, and I thought I was way too low. <laughs> this runway was so long, and oh then my unfortunately, only two of the people got a chance to fly the simulator. And one of them was the guy who ran the flight club, and the other was his 10-year-old son. I was so pissed. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you can enjoy supersonic flight for 40 minutes in a MiGNET 29 for only 12,500 euro. Wow. <laughs> I'll give you the URL if you want to. If you want to book a flight there. Uh, 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 I think I'd be a little Amanda. nervous, but sure. <laughs> yes, darling. Amanda, do you have do you, do you have a Russia. local airport near you? Yes, literally about ten minutes away. Here's the deal. See yeah. if they if they have intro uh, flight lessons. Like usually, it's just a half hour, twenty minutes, and you get to fly the airplane. Um, hopefully, an assessment yeah. one seventy two or a Cirrus, and and go ahead and take an intro. Flight. Just go ahead and get you know pay for it. I, maybe maybe our show will treat you to an intro flying lesson. Amanda, what's the name of your town again? Uh, Cheltenham, spelled C H E L T E N H A M. C H E L. T E N H A M. H-A-M, Cheltenham. Yeah. Hey, Chet, can you check uh, if you have access? Can you check and see if there's a flying school at that airport right in that town? That's what I'm looking up. No oh, way. I knew you would. What a man. I'll tell you, Chet. <laughs> Cheltenham <laughs> Flying Club. Yeah. Oh, really? What do they have? As always, I always Talkful. see tons of little planes going over. Um, heading towards the the airport, loads of little ones. It's at the Gloucestershire Airport. Is that the one? <laughs> Gloucestershire Airport. Good to go, Gloucester. Buy a trial lesson gift voucher. Binks. Yeah. Wow. How much? Come on. This, Come on. Open is? up. I'm waiting for the link here. Trial lesson, 30-minute trial lesson, 95 pounds. No way. You're freaking kidding me. Yeah. 45 minutes for 140, which would I'm be more so fun. I'm so surprised. 60 minutes for one, 185 pounds. Isn't that crazy that I've lived here all my life and seen pass that airport so often, see the planes go over, and never did I know that. And it looks like they're, playing, they're flying low-wing... Low wing uh, monoplanes here. Good. It's, yeah, Good, it I might like be that. the Embry Good. that you were talking about. It, it's not a. Yeah, yeah. Piper. yeah. No, that's right. It's incredible. Okay. Yeah, hey, man, there's it's, lots of helicopters. Spring, and things we're like we're going to talk about this. 
come come springtime. Oh, I got <laughs> Hey, do you know Sylvester yeah. Stallone landed at that airport? He went to um, he a local. Yeah, he came into that airport. You quite, you quite often get big important people come and land in that airport with their private jets. And um, Sylvester oh. Stallone came here and he, he stopped at um, this like pub restaurant thing not far from here. And uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. <laughs> I was like, why didn't I know this? Oh. I would have gone to greet him. <laughs> Incredible. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. They also, if you yeah. really want a thrill, they have a 30-minute vintage biplane flight, which I actually took here in Hawaii. That was kind of strange. Open cockpit I, biplane. Oh, my goodness. I get no, no, I, no, no, I no, no. my stall. When you get your flight instructor training, part of the requirement to get the flight instructor certification is an endorsement that you've done stall spin training in both directions, right? So I went to a place called Flight yeah. Safety for my flight instructor training. And the stall spin airplane that I was in was a Great Lakes open cockpit with a scarf and the leather helmet oh, yeah. and, the, and Red yeah. Baron. Wow. The, the instructor, his name was Ed Planton. I remember, kind of remember like yesterday. So he gets in the back and I, you're wearing a parachute. You know, you wear a parachute, you got the, the goggles and the scarf. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you Red Baron and the stick. And um, so we went up, and we were in Florida, so we went up out, out of the water just off the beach. And uh, and he said, okay, here's how we do it. You know, you, you, you increase, you cut the power, you pull the nose up all the way until, the, until you lose lift, and then you jam in the rudder, the airplane goes into a spin, and then you then op, opposite rudder, the airplane comes out of the spin. Opposite you rudder, the pull the throttle, pull out of the dive. Right. Yeah. So we did one, but he showed me, and then I did it in both directions. And then I was done, right? So that's my stall spin training. I, 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 I demonstrated that I can do it. And then he says, okay, now we're going to have some fun. We're going to do round and round we go. And he starts doing loop-de-loops. He says, okay, no you try way. It. And, and I did. You know something? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like amusement parks. I don't like it. So I couldn't wait to land. Because <laughs> yeah, my yeah. idea but, you of flying. Similar thing happened to yeah. me because I came back and I told my instructor about accidentally going into the spin that day with that other pilot. And uh-huh. and we were on our way to the practice area. And we got to the practice area and he said, oh, spins, that's nothing. And he started doing hammerhead stalls and all this crap. We had an aerobatic oh. 150 that we were in. Oh. And yeah. he almost drove me away from the idea of flying. I didn't like that. I had I have acrophobia, man. I had to overcome oh. everything. Step of the way. I, First wow. time I went into I a like 60 it degree bank, I almost lost it, but I got through and got the license. But oof, oof, oof. <laughs> yeah, I just, my idea of a smooth flight is when you can take off and land, and in your head the whole time you're thinking you never want the passengers to know they left the ground. That that's my idea of a good flight. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't do that, mm-hmm. but that's what I strive for every time. I tried. You know, that was Andy as a pilot. Anyway, <laughs> it looks like they have a thing called the Robin R2112 Alpha as their aerobatic machine and the Robin DR400, a wooden sport monoplane at the airport. Oh, airport oh, oh, no no way. Wow. Talking about Snoopy. Talking about Snoopy. Hey, um, folks, we're uh, about out of time. You know, um, what a fun conversation. Any any opportunity to talk about flying, you, you don't get me started. Um, uh, we, you know, wow, we, cover, we certainly covered a lot of bases. And we, you know, it's fun, isn't it? It is fun. It is, and we, yeah. Of course, we've had the flying Fahans. Oh, I get to be an update on the flying Fahans. Joe and Margaret, oh. who were Delta 
um, captain and his wife, uh, first officer, and they flew over the world flying the most incredible airplane in the sky. That's the, um, the A330. Um, they flew this as husband and wife all over the world, and their sons are both pilots. And they have a Instagram, Facebook, bubble called the Flying Fans with thousands and thousands of people. They took cool early people? retirement. Oh, really cool. And we've had them on the show, and Joe and I go back to the commuter airline days. So we've known each other for, for ages and a day. Uh, we met as pilots in a, like, the same company way back when. Um, anyway, so um, Joe and Margaret took early retirement from Delta uh, so that people who were just doing the airline wouldn't lose their jobs when um, uh, COVID started, when the economy you know, all the pilots started getting laid off and airlines started losing flights. Um, Joe and Margaret. Margaret had another five years before mandatory retirement at 65, but they both took retirement. And they said at the time, I remember on the show, they said, you know what, we might not be done yet. They've since both gotten their Falcon 90, Falcon 900 type ratings, which is a very incredible, incredible, sophisticated corporate jet. And the two of them are now flying uh, Falcon business jets. So, wow. so I want to have them, uh, yeah, isn't that cool? So I want to have yeah. them back on the show again, just to give us updates and, you know, talk about flying and their lives and what they're doing now. They've they got this amazing house they had built down in Florida, and they're living a, a great life on the Delta retirement package, and also their, uh, their, their corporate, uh, whatever that job is, I'm not exactly sure, but they're, I think they're flying a pro um, golfer. I think they're, they're, I think that's what they do, I think. Anyway, wow. Um, We'll get them back on. We'll get them I back noticed on. you um, you you had a picture that you were flashing of of back when in one of those furlough periods when you couldn't fly and and back when we worked for Kaiser Capo Company. <laughs> <laughs> That's people said, Andy. So how did your how did your flying career end up? Well, making capos. <laughs> <laughs> making capos is a NAM show. With yeah. this, with this idiot he met from Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is oh. a picture that people see on the show because I had a, I did a oh, show it. from makeshift studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have to send you a better picture. <laughs> I'll send Please you my do, New Ken. Year's okay, 2019 give... picture. That was, that's a better one. Yes, yeah, send... Yeah, send me some uh, send me some photos, Amanda. This is always such a blast. We did cover a lot oh, of bases really today. Is. What a fun! Oh, yeah. We never know where the show's going to go. Folks were totally unscripted, didn't it? <laughs> that was a really <laughs> short like flight. I don't know where I ended up, but it was a good flight. <laughs> it was a great flight. It's a great flight. Yeah. What a fun conversation, as always. So, so that being said, folks, we really are we're done with the show. We join you again Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, whatever time that is in your neck of the world. You can join the show. Remember this. Please do. Please do. It's 515, am I right? Yeah, 515-605-9888. And if you want to join the show over the Internet, we can send you one as link technology by emailing Andy and Amanda show at gmail.com. We'll send you a link to get on the show. All you need is a headset to do it to it. And uh, all that being said, let's get out of here. Amanda, why don't you take this home? We'll see everybody on Wednesday. Absolutely. So on behalf of my wonderful COVID co-host, <laughs> Andy Kimball, <laughs> uh, Chet Gardner in Hawaii, the awesome dude that he is. Love having you on, darling. And Myself, Amanda Love here in the UK. Thank you so much, guys, especially to you listeners for joining us and always supporting us. Uh, we love you. Have a great week. We will see you again on Wednesday. Have fun and take care of yourselves. All the best, folks. Take care now. Aloha. <laughs>